You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast. I'm your host this week, Brendan Chagru. This is not the voice of Ryan Dangle. He and his family are enjoying hopefully a relaxing vacation in beautiful Mexico to start the new year. I'm so jealous of him. So I'll be taking the reins this week and hopefully the podcast just stays on the road and doesn't get too crazy. But if you want to follow me, you can follow me at Brendan Chagru on Twitter. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. You can also follow me at Bearswire. I've written like, I feel like 15 articles this week. So just check out the bearswire.com. I am joined this week by our guy, Patrick Sheldon. You can follow him on Twitter at P underscore shells and read him on DeWindy City, part of the Fan Sided Network. And Jack Wright, you can follow him at Bear Down Jack. Unfortunately, Logan can't be here this week either, uh, but he's got some exciting news that we'll tease now and uh, pay off later. So, uh, you know, we're excited for Logan and his family. Guys, this is a really, really tough Bears game to start the new year. It's officially 2023. The Bears lose 41 to 10. We'll get into all of that, but it is January 1st as we're recording this. So I want to hear from you guys. How was your new year? And just what are your thoughts now about New Year's Eve? Like, is it still, you know, hype you up? Are you still excited about it? <laughs> what do you think? I, I mean, I admittedly, I'm, I'm a bit older it's been a while since i've gone out and done anything anywhere you get to the point where you really enjoy the comfort of your home and doing the things that you like to do i, I will say uh the evening before new year's eve eve went to a nice steak dinner at sullivan's steakhouse in downtown downtown naperthrill illinois and so that was a, a bit of a celebration and then just got some champagne we made we made chicken pot pie i don't know why we just made homemade chicken pot pie it was delicious had some wine had some champagne it was great dude chicken pot pie is like one of my top foods that stuff's I'll amazing the recipe it's so i can't good. i can't hear that without saying it in my head in cartman's voice the chicken pot pie <laughs> 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 so thank you for that uh happy new year's fellas yeah year's. it's uh it's funny like i thought about this the other night 20 well maybe even 15 years ago i would have been like so amped up for a new year's eve that fell on a weekend with a monday off and would have been raring to go and now the idea of like being out in public on new year's eve makes my skin hurt um so we we stayed in uh we didn't do anything crazy I left the menu up to the kids and they settled on a tray of chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A and Chinese food. So we kind of had a eclectic mix of, of food for New Year's Eve. And uh, we rolled with that and and made it to midnight, which I haven't done in a while. So uh, it was a good it was a good night, but uh, they're not what they used to be. Yeah. Chinese food and Chick-fil-A, though, that is that's a winning combination in my book. I, yeah. I can't yeah. make that. It was like we had the we had the tray of chicken nuggets is like a 
you know, for like the early game, the Michigan uh, TCU game. And then we broke into the entrees for, with the Chinese food kind of late before the uh, Georgia game. So it was like, it was perfect. Um, yeah. So I do want to say, I, I, I agree. I hope Dangle's having a nice relaxing trip. And for his sake, I hope he doesn't have internet access and, and couldn't see the game uh, or check a score. And so he is enjoying his vacation instead of having it marred by whatever the hell that was we saw today. So. Yeah, he just he just hit us in the group text with just the bears and then like, oh, I just checked the score. Ouch. And I'm like, man, this game is so much worse than the score. But I mean, you you mentioned it real quickly because I want to I want to talk about happy things. And I think New Year's Eve and New Year's Day like is a much happier thing than the bears. But Shells, you mentioned it. I hated for years when the college football playoff would happen on New Year's Eve because a few years ago in my twenties, I would go out, do the thing where we dress up, go to a banquet hall, have, you know, tons of drinks and then be hung over for basically two days after that. Haven't done that in a while. So it was really, really fun to watch football, uh, at home and, you know, see two really fun games. Uh, we had uh, my siblings over and then a few friends and my sister-in-law, um, uh, my brother's obviously wife, she is a diehard Ohio state fan. And so she had her CJ Stroud Jersey and it was just so fun watching with her because she was living and dying by every, every play. And then that missed field goal, which just was kicked into 2023 wide left. It was, it was hilarious. I just root for chaos when it comes to college football. How did you handle the remote guys? Cause it was like, I was getting the turnover to whatever Ryan Seacrest for the ball drop but the field goal was about to happen and it was, it was, it was kind of dicey there for a bit. Oh, not, not at all at our place. We, we were <laughs> no. fully like fixated on the game. Nobody really cared about the TV, like what was happening there. We were playing just like stupid drinking games and having a fun time, like not getting like crazy or anything, but we were so fixated on what was happening with football and then just playing games that we actually turned to like Ryan Seacrest and then like whatever Chicago does, with just all those, you know, dancing montages. And even then everyone's like, why are we watching this? And I'm like, you know what? Good point. <laughs> so bad. I don't luckily have to split time. And I feel very, very fortunate right now that you mentioned that shells that I didn't have to make that decision. It was just pure, unadulterated, intravenous football. <laughs> it was awesome. nice. Good for you guys. <laughs> I'm envious. All right. You guys ready? You, you, you two set. Here we go. Ready? Let's Down. go. Set. Blue 80. Blue 80. Kill, kill. Kill, kill. If you guys want to kill it with your next haircut, the way that the Detroit Lions killed our Chicago Bears today, you should go to Sheridan's Barbershop, which is located in historic Wheaton, Illinois. It's downtown Wheaton, Illinois, and it's been serving the community for 68 years with six barbers open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. Head to SheridansBarbershop.com or call 630-668-0137 and book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. Okay, I guess we should talk about this football game that we all had to endure. I don't know if you, if people listening actually watch the whole thing. I pray to God you didn't, because if I didn't have to do this podcast or write about it, I would have turned that game off so fast early in the second half. But 
we we do have to talk about the Lions beat down of the Bears. And it's weird. This is the first time I'm introing my own breakdown. So I don't know if I should do what Ryan does and just say, let's let's hear it, baby. But just kind of go for it. <laughs> it's New Year's Day for the Chicago Bears, who instead of spending it watching fireworks in Chicago, they watched a shootout in Detroit as they were in town to play the Lions. And though it's now 2023, the Bears started the game still thinking about 2022 and their dynamic running game. Justin Fields so good had Bears fans everywhere feeling good with his 100-yard first quarter. He also tossed a pass to Cole Haley's Komet, who shines so bright no one decided to even cover him. The Lions match, though, with Jared Topgolf hitting all his targets all day long. He threw a touchdown to Brock Wright to tie it 7-7, his first of two scores of the day, because two scores do make a wrong right after all. After the Bears notched a field goal, Detroit struck again as DeAndre Taylor Swift had the Bears in a Honolulu Blue Haze, going up 14-10. The first half ended when Aiden Christensen Hutchinson said, this is where the fun begins, as he picked off fields. That's a Star Wars reference for you nerds. Just like the city, Detroit chose violence to start the second half. Jamal Robin Williams said, oh yeah, that's the good stuff, with his 15th rushing touchdown of the year, while Swift released another hit with his second TD of the game. The Bears offense couldn't get anything going, with players like Riley Coral Reef and Chase don't play in the pool, unable to keep their heads above water. Lions 41, Bears 10. Can never go wrong with a good Swifty reference in there somewhere. I had to. It's it, it's tough when the Bears play DeAndre Swift twice a year and he keeps scoring Perfect. on him because he just keep running. Yeah, I keep having to do Taylor Swift puns, unfortunately. But that breakdown, as always, was brought to you by our guy Levi at the Fan Art by Levi shop. If you're looking for something truly unique for yourself or someone else, visit the Fan Art by Levi shop on Etsy which features over 100 original pieces of spray paint art. Each painting is original, signed, and one of a kind. The shop features sports teams, superheroes, Star Wars, in case you didn't catch it in my breakdown, Pokemon, and so much more. You can find amazing and affordable art at the Fan Art by Levi, that's all one word, shop on Etsy. Bears lose 41-10. A lot didn't happen in this game, but a lot also did because... This just was a complete utter failure, I think, across all phases of the game. The offense didn't look prepared to play. They had protection issues. Meanwhile, the defense couldn't tackle anyone. They just, everybody looked unprepared to play. So I want to hear your initial reactions to what we saw on Sunday and just kind of where this team is going for the final week of the season. So we'll we'll keep this easy since there's only three of us we'll start with shells we'll go jack and i'll finish it up on every single answer that we have so let's hear it shells yeah like peter bukowski in a gentleman's club the bears were impotent all day oh, uh, i think this was <laughs> this was the most this was the most discouraging loss uh of the year in my opinion it was the first time that the bears looked completely disinterested and unmotivated and we haven't seen that from a flus coach team we have been talking about this for weeks that one of the hallmarks of him as a coach and one of the things he's kind of hung his hat on this year has been having his guys ready to play every week, despite, you know, at times getting their, their brains beat in. Uh, and this week was just not that there were, there were times where I, I just, 
it almost looked like they were going at practice speed. Um, they were at like 75%. There's, there was a video that was going around. I retweeted that play at the end of the half. Um, my God, you just look at the, I don't even want to call them receivers because they look like, like roamers playing, you know, some kind of like, I don't know, red light, green light game. They were just kind of wandering about and meandering about the field. Uh, it, it was just, it was terrible. And, and Jack, I know we've talked about this point a lot. This was the first time all year where I've been in the, they should just put fields on the bench uh, crowd. And it's not, it's not because I don't think it's valuable for him to be in there. I just think that any value that he would have gotten out of today's butt kicking was significantly outweighed by the risk. Uh, he didn't look right physically. I, I don't know what will come out, if they'll tell us the story, but you could just tell when he was running the football, it looked labored. It didn't look like his normal self. And he uh, he was kind of a sending duck back there in the pocket. The offensive line was brutal. More injuries. They Even when they had two holds on one play, they still let pressure get to fields. And they were just atrocious. And I just felt like today was the point where – there were we reached the point of diminished returns for him at least for today's game and i would have been fine with them sitting fields uh for most of the second half because i just didn't see him getting anything out of it so it was just discouraging all around from my perspective i think maybe a little bit of this has to do with the folks that were trying to you know advertise this idea that he should be sitting like for several weeks now there's been discussion of you know this uh that we should sit him and so maybe some of what I say is a culmination of that combined with what happened today. Here's here's the bottom line for me. First, you get better at playing football by playing football. If I were to come to you, let's say Shells, you're the OC, and I said, Hey, coach, coach Shells, what's your plan for improving Justin Fields going forward? And your response was, Here's what we plan to do. We plan to sit him, we're gonna sideline him as much as we humanly can. Our goal this season is to make sure that Justin Fields gets as few reps in live football action as we can possibly, possibly pull off. Maybe that's a bit extreme, but in my mind's eye, it is nonsensical. I don't deny the fact that it was a hot mess today and that there were some situations with both guards going down and the offensive line being putrid, that there were some awkward tackles and there were some positions that made me queasy too. But the folks that are trying to suggest that they just get super fired up, pissed off, this is negligent, Flu should be fired, he needs to come out of the game. And this is the point I really, really take issue with. There's nothing left for him to learn. And, and this, here's, the, here's the thing. You go sit in the room with them uh, whenever they come back, Tuesday or Wednesday, and they watch film. It's an endless list of things to learn when your job is to be a professional football player that's all you do is analyze and learn and grow go to the weight room go to the nutritionist watch the film that's what you do you sit in the room and you go okay where are your heels at on the snap justin which foot do you have forward check the ball where's the ball in relationship to your body what was what was your pre-snap read did you see one high safety or two Based on where the safety is, what do you think the X receiver's route should be? As you were dropping, you started to drift a little to the to the right guard, right tackle side. We need to keep you firm in the pocket there. Make sure that you do that. What, what did you see on uh, Cole Komet's break on that particular route? 
when did you think he was going to break that and when did he actually break it would you have thrown a level one ball there or a level two ball if you had to do it again and i could just keep going like i could keep going through position by position and give like a checklist of things that every player at every position could continue to learn by playing in football games and the last thing I'll say is there's only two left. There was today's and there was the next one. And Flutes kept saying it. You're not going to get this opportunity. When will you get live football action after the Vikings game is over? You get none. So it's valuable. So you have to use it. I, I think that's fair. And, and Brendan, sorry, just before you, you jump in, I just wonder at like at what point do um does the the risk outweigh the reward and he started developing bad habits like that's the part about um for me at least today when I was watching him I was like he just doesn't look like physically and when he's healthy and the pocket collapses and the offensive line poops the bed he's able to escape and protect himself I didn't feel like he was able to do that today and it almost felt like he was starting to develop some bad habits in trying to force himself to stay in the pocket because he he didn't feel like he could escape and run and um subjecting himself to hits and potentially a significant injury by staying in there so i agree with with you jack i don't i'm not in the he can't gain anything from playing live reps crowd at all so i don't want that to to be the message here i just felt like today just didn't feel like he was getting much out of that second half i mean they there was a part late it was either late in the third or early in the fourth they had 10 total yards and no first downs um I just didn't feel like he was getting any benefit out of the game at, at, at a certain point today. And I would have been fine with them just kind of shelving him and then, and live to fight another day next week. That's kind of how I feel because in just to dovetail into my initial reaction at a certain point, you're right. He was, he was electric in the first quarter. He had an historic first quarter rushing. Like we haven't seen that. We haven't seen a Bears player do that since the early 90s, since I was born, where somebody had 100 yards in a single quarter. So the fact that they went so far away from that and just kind of like kept him back, you saw they had the, the Theragun on his like uh, hammy or something while he was sitting on the bench. And then another point, they brought him into concussion protocol after one of those hits, which shockingly he didn't get flagged for again or the defender didn't get a flag for, I guess. But yeah, at a certain point after you, you've tried this, you've tried it, there's nothing's happening. The protection keeps breaking down. Guys are just like lackadaisically running their routes and not getting open. And Fields isn't like totally absolved from this either because I saw some clips where there were receivers open. He wasn't hitting them. But I think at a certain point, like halfway through the second half, maybe like end of the third quarter, just say, you know what? We're cutting our losses for this game only. This is a shit show. Nobody's getting better here. People are just getting worse. Frustration is boiling over on the sideline, potentially. Put in Peterman and just get out of here alive. And then if you want to start him against the Vikings, yes, that maybe that screws up the tank for other people, whatever. That's another conversation. Start him against the Vikings after going through and seeing what has happened against the Lions. Because, uh, Jack, I totally get what you're saying. You can learn from every single play. And you have more film then to digest and then go back on to learn from. But at a certain point, I, I get what Shells is saying. It, it just gets to a point where you're not getting those valuable reps because you're running for your life. And you have, to, I mean, I cannot believe two offensive tackles 
called for holding and they still get the sack anyway. There were max protections where the Lions were only rushing three or four and they're still getting sacks in with easily and guys just aren't getting open. The receivers could not catch passes all day. I think it was what three catches for 36 yards as a whole in the year of our Lord 2023 now. That's it's ridiculous. Even my bear standards, that's ridiculous. So um, anybody who's ever served in the military, this kind of felt like an army field exercise where they knowingly put you in a position uh, with no resources and no way to like successfully complete the mission. They just want to see how you'll respond to adversity in really shitty circumstances. And that's kind of what it felt like. And I got to a point where I was like, are we just kind kind of trying to see how he's going to deal with like an impossible situation? Is that what he's getting out of it? Just the adversity aspect? Because it just didn't seem like he was getting much, much out of it. And, and Jack, I know you want to jump in before you do. Did you catch the humble brag by Shagru there? Like, haven't done that since the 90s when I was born. Is that a shot at, at your elders here? Shagru? Absolutely not. It's the, just realized it was 1991. <laughs> I'm like, hey, that's the year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> graduated high school the next year brennan okay so uh, yeah I, if i just want to say too like if 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 you were injured or if it seemed like the staff and the medical staff got together and said you know what i mean that he needs to be done for the day then that's that is also a different discussion the whole idea of you're putting him in jeopardy and and he may get hurt a, a little bit i'm on that but a little bit i'm not because he could get hurt at any time there's any he he's been developing i mean exponentially all year long in situations that weren't that much different than this. This was bad. It was probably the worst. I admit that. But all year long, people have talked about the offensive line being putrid and the eight different rotations that they've had. And yet, what have we seen all year long from Justin Fields? Just continual progression. Why? Because he's continued to play. So I, I don't really like the, he's not learning anything. And I'm not saying you guys are making this argument, but there's a lot of people that are. This is worthless. Like it's negligent. Maven Cap was saying the same thing, which surprises me because that guy's been around the game for a long time. He's got to know that there's still value in actually playing the football game. Maybe it is a character thing. Maybe we want to see how the guy reacts when when absolute shit hits the fan, and and how is he going to respond? And you know how he responded, whether you agree with it or not. His response was, "Yeah, coach, I want to go back in." Flew said it a hundred percent. Yeah, coach, I want to finish this game. I want to go back in. Now, you can make an argument that perhaps Flus or the staff at that point should have said, we appreciate it, bud, but go take a seat. This fucking thing, this is over. You know what I mean? I, I'm not saying that that is a completely invalid argument. I, I just feel like to some extent, uh, like I said in our thread, I'm on an island alone going, there's some value in him playing. While I feel like most of the Twitter sphere is just like, like get him out of there get him out of there like just crushing themselves yeah we're we're gonna talk way more about that we got a fun game activity later on in the show but it is time for the outhouse and the penthouse guys the outhouse and the penthouse is brought to you by our guy jeff cadwallader it's 2023 and maybe your news new year's resolution is to buy or sell your house. And if so, you need to contact Geneva Jeff. Interest rates are up. Prices are up. Is real estate dead? It's not. But when you have questions, Jeff Cadwallader with At Properties, Christie's International has your answers. Jeff's 15 years of experience has been featured in Chicago Magazine and even Forbes because of his commitment to his clients. 
To connect with Jeff, visit GenevaJeff.com today. All right, obviously we're starting with the outhouse and I'm pretty sure the penthouse is going to be pretty, pretty sparse, but we'll see what we can do. So with the outhouse, we'll go with shells, Jack, and I'll wrap it up. This is my God, man. I feel like every week I'm faced with the same either circumstances or players or, or things that I'm, I want to put in the, in the outhouse and at the risk of repeating myself, I'm going to go with drops again. I'm just, I watched the Raiders game and I watched Foster Moreau go up and make a believe unbelievable contested catch when the, with the game on the line. Uh, I watched Devonte Adams make an insane contested catch with the game on the line. And I juxtaposed that to the bears game where Dante Pettis again, like I, I can't, I don't care what he brings to the table in the return game. I cannot watch another season of Dante Pettis on this team. He's got to be gone at this point. Another drop by him, another drop by commit. It's just, it's so infuriating. I don't know if it's an effort thing, if it's a mental lapse thing, if they're all just kind of like whatever at this point, it's just so GD discouraging to see these other teams, players go out and make incredible catches and we can't get the same amount of of help for our guy. Uh, I'm I'm just I'm at a loss. I don't know what it is. It, it can't just be a talent deficiency at this point because there are other players similar the skill sets as the Bears wide receivers that are making these catches. I, I don't know what it is, but it's got to get fixed. And I'm really tired of seeing it. You're absolutely right, Charles. The one thing that I've started to do is just think a little bit about any one of those guys or those caliber of guys being on. The Bears as offense, which like hopefully there will be at least an additional one skill position who can make those type of plays. And it, just thinking about what the Bears offense has been able to do with which just such a, a crap stable of skill players. It, mm-hmm. This is the only way that gets me through because I, I do think that could be freaking exciting to watch some combinations start occurring once and if that happens. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The drops are. Or brutal. I guess I'll piggyback off of you a little bit, Shells, earlier on. You just talked about this being the first time where the total team effort was pretty shit and surprising in that regard. Well, maybe not surprising because you lose that many games in a row and you put that much effort and resiliency into it week after week. Perhaps on some levels it's not that shocking that they ran out of gas in that regard. A win in there someplace might have helped to have, like, added to the staying power so these are different numbers these are numbers we haven't really seen for instance the bears ran 50 plays to detroit's 70. usually that's about even when you look at the post game snaps time of possession usually pretty even not today we had the ball for 24 minutes and 17 seconds and detroit had it for 35 and 43 seconds um we had we had nine first downs detroit had 26 Oh my god! First downs, and uh, and then total yards was just you know way off balance. It was like 230 total yards for the Bears and 504 for Detroit. So, I mean, not only the play on the field but the numbers as well just showed this great imbalance and one of the poorest performances that the Bears have had all year long. I'm gonna stick to the offense, although honorable mention to the defense because there's only three of us too, so it's really hard to kind of hit everything. But I'll just mention the defense couldn't tackle worth worth a damn. The the rookies, Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon, were put on skates. 
They they just were playing out of position. They were locked up on on downfield blocking. It, it was abysmal. And the Lions did whatever they wanted them to do. Uh, so I'll just say quickly the tackles, Braxton Jones and Riley Reef. Just both of them having <laughs> what feels like the worst game of their lives, let up multiple sacks. They were the two players that were called for holding when Fields still got sacked trying to make a play. I mean, I just that that boggles my mind. I don't know how that happens. And repeatedly, Braxton Jones, and, and I'll say Braxton Jones has had a solid season, I think, and I do this as well. We've probably overvalued him a little bit, knowing that he's a fifth round pick and he's probably exceeded expectations. That doesn't mean he's like a bona fide left tackle in the league at all. But repeatedly, he's been getting just bullied with the bull rush and it, it showed today. The Lions were bringing the heat right away. It was almost like Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator. Dr. Heat was coming after him because they just kept sending the house at Justin Fields and the tackles couldn't couldn't manage. Like I said, Jones just kept getting bullied with, with the bull rush. Riley Reef was on his ass way more times than I saw him actually trying to make a block. It was, it was so bad. And it just goes to show that this offensive line, you, sh- you need to shore it up way more than I think people, you know, maybe thought a few weeks ago. I know some people had called it possibly a top 10 unit earlier this season. That's a load of horseshit. I don't want to hear that. So definitely Riley Reef and Braxton Jones, you deserve to be in that the outhouse. But frankly, a lot of other people do too. We don't have time. We could probably do a whole nother round or two of picking people out or okay. things out. All right, it's time to go to the penthouse. Who who actually deserves to be in the penthouse? Besides Cole Komet, Shells, who do you have in the penthouse? <laughs> he's, I'm sorry, he's not. Congratulations, you caught a wide open pass. You did the bare minimum. My my penthouse is going to go, this is a shot across the bow at our friend Ryan Dangle, but it's going to go back to Vilas Jones. He had one kick return for 63 yards and one run for 13 yards, which doesn't seem like much, but I think it's like that was like 92% of our offense. So uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. I'm not a mathematician, but um, slim pickings, right? Uh, so I'll go with the guy who did something. Um, and, and I'll, I'll go with Valus Jones. I'm, I'm just happy for the kid. I hope he continues to progress and develop. It was nice to see him get involved, but my gosh, with such a putrid offensive performance, it's tough to really single anybody out as, as rising above. That's clearly the word of the day so far, putrid and rightfully so, but I just wanted to chime in with Valus Jones, seeing him take that kickoff like eight yards deep in the end zone. And I'm just like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, just go down. And then, of course, he, you know, rattles off like a 60-yard touchdown return. That was just the classic no, 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 yes play. (laughs) You know what's kind of cool is Flew said in the postgame presser that they told him to take it out no matter where he caught it in the end zone. And if you think about it, that made a lot of sense and paid off because with with the way that the return worked out, if they had done it correctly, they, they had a shot at a Hail Mary at a potential score kind of was, out of nowhere. I was going to say, did Getsy get that memo or what was <laughs> he did it because that was Flus's next comment. He's like, yeah, we've repped that quite a few times that end of the half Hail Mary. We just need to execute. Uh, yeah. Try not to throw it to the defensive end. When, uh, when they didn't rush anyone and they put the defensive ends on the sideline <laughs> covering, like just run straight, dude. Like weird. nobody rushed the play. passer. 
I mean, this was an odd place. It had to be amongst the weirdest of pl- I was like, why? What? Okay. I've got three. I'll use one of them. Maybe I'll get an honorable mention. Got three? Uh, I do, actually. Yeah. Wow. Well, Joe Thomas. Did you know Joe Thomas had 13 tackles today? Well, someone I mean, had ba- to. Well, right. But I mean, as bad as the defensive line played and as, like, as much as the D-line has been owned and being they've been pushed out of their gaps, I was just kind of... I was kind of surprised. And I guess I'll just, I doubt you'll have this one, Brandon. But but I do have to say that DHC has been playing pretty good football. I mean, he had six tackles today. He had about six last week. He's one of the, the last bears from the old regime. He's doing all right. He's doing okay. Yeah, DHC has been solid this year. I didn't think he had a great game. I honestly don't think anybody in the secondary had a good game. But I do appreciate Anytime there's a DHC announcement or a shout out, I always appreciate it. Mine real quickly. It's, it's a little bit of a cop out, but I will go just Justin Fields in the first quarter and then nothing else after, like I said, Fields, he was, he was decent in the passing game. We mentioned the wide open throw to Cole Komet, but that was the only touchdown of the game. His running ability. I mean, 105 yards on five carries just in the first quarter. You know, you can look back at one of those, tweets that could say oh he's on pace for 420 yards for the game and obviously that didn't happen but it was really cool to see him just get shot out of a cannon right away and you really thought like okay this could be one of those historic rushing days again perhaps he breaks his own record maybe he even catches Lamar Jackson's single season record for quarterbacks he did also pass Michael Vick for second most rushing yards by a quarterback in a season so that was really cool I don't know what happened after that. We talked about it. Could be an injury. Could be just wanting to pass more. I'm not sure. But Fields had a hell of a first quarter. It's too bad that it didn't carry over for the rest of the game. Otherwise, what is, was it his worst game? I mean, his, his, his rating was a 40.8. He was 7 for 21 through an interception, had a fumble. I mean, we know that there's a lot of ancillary reasons for why, if it was his best worst game, it was. But might have been his worst game. That's a good question. I'm trying to think. Well, worst game of the season or his career? Season. The only one that jumps out at me is the Texans game. What was what were the factors in that game that would make it in the team picture? Two interceptions, bad interceptions too. Yeah, he was right. he was really off. They did win, but it was primarily because of Khalil Herbert more than anything. Yes. I mean, Fields Fields did rush pretty well, but it was it wasn't good i can't remember i'm not looking at his rating right now but i know it was really really low like that so it's it's in the conversation for sure i i did not like i don't know it's not probably not being talked about as much but i really didn't like that fumble because it just looked like he was you know kind of loose with the football didn't expect somebody to come up from behind i i don't know just one of those you know protect the bacon man that was the play, though. I think I texted you guys right after that, where it just, he didn't look like himself. That was a play where I felt like he would have taken off and run, and he was just sort of in between and indecisive, and it felt like he wasn't sure if he should kind of try to throw or run, and maybe he's like, I can't run, I'm kind of nicked up. But he just didn't look right on that play at all. It didn't look like him. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he did look a little slower. He just maybe a little more indecisive. And I think yep. somebody even said like, Oh, it, he was tucking and running and somebody else was like, no, he's not. He was still looking to pass. I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know if he knew he, what he was going to do there. It, yeah. it, I'll, I'll, I agree with you shells. It was, it was pretty odd. All right. Before we get into our 
our new game, it's kind of a variation of our true false game. Is there anything else that maybe we missed that, you know, maybe ancillary things that we need to talk about from this game? I just uh, had a bit of an epiphany during the game um, that I feel like perhaps one of the things that we, we haven't talked about, maybe some of the other outlets have talked about, is the extent to which um, this new regime has done a better job uh, when it comes to uh, penalties. Uh, sorry about my paper wrestling, but I just... I was going to say, briefly, you're really prepared. <laughs> yeah, I know, just briefly. So uh, in in 2020, we averaged, the Bears averaged 5.7 penalties a game. That was uh, 19th. Uh, in, in the league uh, in 2021, they averaged 6.2 penalties per game. And that was 23rd in 2022 with one game left. They're averaging five penalties per game. That's the seventh fewest penalties uh, in the NFL. And, and just for some other comparisons, uh, if you take a look at in 2021, we had 11 unnecessary roughing penalties. The league average was 5.3. We had 11 this year. We have one. We had uh, four unsportsmanlike penalties. The league average was 1.31 in 2021. We have had one this season. And so I was just kind of thinking back a little bit to, you know, this game was bad. But if you think back to some of the previous years and you add some of these BS, undisciplined penalties that we talked a lot about in previous years, it is at least refreshing to notice that I do think there's a core a foundational discipline that's being developed from the staff. And I think penalties kind of is an indicator of that. That's a good call, Jack. And it's, it's something I was thinking of, not necessarily in relation to penalties, but some people were saying, and you know how it is like recency bias, all of that. This is the worst game I've seen in, you know, recent memory. I can't remember a worse game. I'm like, guys, I can remember like three worst games last year alone, <laughs> let alone in 2020 yes. as well. So, but part of that is, the lack of the that discipline in those games versus this game where, hey, you know what? They just got bullied off the line. They're not as talented, all of that. They're not making those dumb penalties, at least. So that is kind of a silver lining. I like that. Speaking of that kind of recency bias overreacting, I, I am shocked at the number of people who are on the Bird app talking about flus and, and polls not being back next year like go fudge yourselves guys like what are you are you kidding me i get they didn't do the rebuild the way you think a rebuild for should be done for an nfl franchise and you know submit your resumes accordingly um but there's more than one way to skin that cat they took an approach you disagree with it that's great but to to be able to to say definitively after a year not even a year uh, they shouldn't be back next year what in the f are you talking about like you can't be paying attention right take a deep breath guys yeah seriously like y'all need to just chill go go reset in 2023 because um maybe take a break from the bird app because it, it y- y'all need to whew. um that was something that was a, that was a reaction i was not expecting and really caught me off guard uh today as i was scrolling through twitter then the other thing guys uh, I know we'll, I think we'll touch on it at least in our, our game coming up, but at what point do we really start to worry about Tevin Jenkins health um, and dependability, right? Like, and I don't want to get too much into it. Cause again, I think we're getting into it in a bit, but I'm starting to get really concerned about that position being solidified for next year. When I thought it was locked down like four or five weeks ago. Yeah. Maybe the neck injury 
is worse or was worse than maybe people anticipated. So he left the game again. They called it a neck injury. He was doubtful to return. He didn't return. And it was his first game back since injuring his neck in the Eagles game. So now that's the same injury happening in three weeks, essentially two, yeah, three weeks. It's a valid concern. And he obviously had back issues last year and you never want to have a rookie that's actually dealing with back issues. We really thought that everything was kind of on the up and up. So that's, that's definitely a valid concern. Uh, I just have really one thing and it's not really related to the game. Actually, I want to get your thoughts on Kevin Warren because earlier this week, I don't think we actually talked about it either in our text chain. It was kind of in the you know craziness of getting ready for new year's Eve, but a report came out that Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, is a finalist for the Bears president job because Ted Phillips is going to be retiring. He's going to be leaving officially in 2023. And it sounds like from what people are saying, this is well on its way to being done. Like, you know, he comes out as a finalist. This it sounds more than likely he will be named the next Bears president and CEO. So I just kind of want to get your guys initial reactions what do you think of the move potentially? Is this a positive for the Bears or are they going in the bad direction or going in a wrong direction, maybe? The positives that I've heard that I'm excited about are that he was a part of the the Viking Stadium rebuild. And this that is cool experience, that is valuable experience that's going to be needed going forward. And that stadium is pretty sick. Uh so job well done. Uh I like that it, I feel like there was mixed emotion uh you know, around the internet on what he's done with the Big Ten, but you can't deny the impact that he's had on it in terms of how he broadened it like never before. Uh, I'll admit I'm not deep enough into the info to know the extent to which that is a plus or a minus for the Big Ten, but but then I also like that he doesn't seem to have any connections to McCaskey or Poles or the Bears organization. Um, and, And I think in that way, hopefully, uh, there would be some autonomy and and another voice. Last thing, I guess I would say, I think it would be cool in this era if we had a, a, a black CEO and president and, and a black GM, you know, good for the bears and a black starting quarterback. I think that's a, that's a great point, Jack. I mean, it, we have to remember it wasn't that long ago that fans were openly questioning whether there were racist undertones within the bears ownership and organization. And that's why, Um, they've shied away from maybe drafting or signing a black quarterback. Um, And so I think it's important to highlight that. And, and, you know, to George McCaskey's credit, I know he gets a lot of grief, but he has been at the forefront uh, of promoting um, equity and, and equality and diversity across the NFL. So kudos to George McCaskey and to the bears organization for doing that. I'm not going to pretend like I, I know Kevin Warren's like, credentials and whether it's a good move or a bad move. So I'll start there, but I'll say there were a few questions that I had that I I wouldn't mind some more information about. Um, One kind of like, what are the bright lines of accountability? I'm very curious as to what will the role of the president be and to what extent will Ryan Poles be involved or has been involved if it's a done deal in that decision-making process? if he's going to be expected to work with the president in in any kind of way on personnel decisions, I would hope he would have been involved uh, heavily. I I hope 
at a base level, he's not involved in those decisions, but we don't know. Right. So I'd like to know what is his role going to be? Is it going to be purely from a business standpoint, which I hope it is. And so if it is, I wouldn't expect polls to be involved, but if he is going to be involved to some extent or, you know, the way, the way uh, Ted has kind of like needled his way into some of those decisions, you would hope that polls would have some kind of say. So I'm interested to know what that dynamic is, what polls thinks of them, how they're going to get along and to what extent he was involved in that, that process. Um, and then, you know, I think it's interesting. You brought up his work with the big 10, uh, the bears <laughs> tweeted about it, this hypothetical stadium in Arlington Heights, you know, the bears uh, probably have their sights on hosting events outside of home games. And, um, you know, who, who better to try to bring the big 10 championships, whether it's just football or maybe potentially basketball, uh, to a new stadium in Arlington Heights, uh, than than the former big 10 commissioner. So, interesting move on a number of levels um again i'm not going to pretend to know much about his his kind of credentials and qualifications but i i'm anxious and eager to learn more about the whole process and how it unfolded i'll try to be quick with this because i i have a lot of thoughts and i i maybe not as close to college football as other people but i do follow it and kind of the business to an extent so i feel like i know a little bit more at least about what kevin warren can bring to the table first off he's not ted phillips he actually has business experience with multiple professional teams and one of the most lucrative, I'd say, positions in sports with the Big Ten commissioner, where you're managing, what, like 14, now coming to 16 teams. That, that's a lot. And so the fact that this guy who's with the Rams right before they won their first Super Bowl in 99, we talked about the overseeing of the stadium project with Minnesota, which... Again, if you haven't seen U.S. Bank Stadium, that thing is a masterpiece. I would love if the Bears did something similar to that. And just the business he's brought to the Big Ten. I mean, adding two new teams in USC and UCLA, you can you can criticize him for the handling of the COVID situation where he initially canceled the season. There were a lot of people after him. I read he even had death threats and it was, you know, really serious they then have a conference-only schedule. I do think it also is interesting if this actually were to happen. Justin Fields and his family were one of the biggest advocates for getting the season back, so they went head-to-head. So I think that's a very, very interesting uh, wrinkle if this were to happen. Hopefully, it's just sort of business and nothing you know crazy happens. But And I will say, he does have a little Bears connection after all. I think it was Dan Pompey who was on uh, 670 this week. He mentioned that he was the agent for Chris Zorich, And that was his first kind of professional experience. So I think that is a little bit, he's not like totally tied to the bears. He is local because of the big 10 offices, but I think that is a little bit, uh, you know, it's nice of a wrinkle, but yeah, this guy has extensive business experience and you're now bringing that to an organization that is basically at a fork in the road of where they want to go potentially for the next I mean, you can even say like 50 years potentially. And I think that's huge. You finally have an outside guy and things could change within the organization. The last thing I'll say though, is it's very Ted Phillips to then hire Ryan Poles in a new regime and then say, oh, by the way, I'm peacing out. I'm retiring next year. And then potentially having a new president come in into an an existing structure and organization and then possibly change it up again. I'm not saying that like, I'm saying Ryan Poles or Matt Eberflus jobs are in danger at all. But I think it's just interesting after a year, Ted Phillips says, okay, I'm done. And a new president could want to change things. It's just, 
it's very Ted Phillips, you know. It, it really it's very Bearsy. Like they yes. couldn't just they can never go in order where they get the foundation in place and then work up from president to GM to head coach to quarterback. All right, guys, I've been teasing this long enough, and I want to make sure we get to it with enough time. We usually do true false with Ryan out. I thought maybe it was a chance to do something a little bit different. And hey, it's a new year. Let's let's do something different. We are going to do over unders. So if you're familiar, I mean, gambling over under like point totals or yardage totals or whatever, we're going to do things for both next week's game against the Vikings and the off season. So I've got a number of questions. I want to know if you guys would take the over or under if you were a betting man. We'll keep the same order. We'll start with shells, Jack, and I'll wrap it up. So the first one I want to know is over under two quarters. Justin Fields plays next week against the Vikings. I think it's over. I don't know that it should be. We'll see how the game unfolds next week. Uh, If, if it goes the way it did today, I would hope it would be under, but I just don't get the sense that Flus is the kind of guy that's going to sit him unless he's carted off the field in a stretcher. And I, I hope it doesn't come to that. Uh, but if the game unfolds the way it did today, I, I hope it's under. I just don't think it will be. Yeah, he'll play over two quarters again because there's been a consistent message, like no faltering message all week during the press conferences. Flus, Getsy. Is he going to play? Absolutely. And even after today's game, when asked, uh, they said if he's healthy, he will play. And so I, I, I do not foresee him, uh, barring injury, playing less than two quarters. He'll play over two quarters. I will also say over, but I do think he's going to exit at some point, like late in the third. I, I think that's going to be it. You've seen enough. It's the Peterman show for the final 20 minutes or so, which great what a way to end the episode of seinfeld can't wait (laughs) all right uh this one comes from jack actually he wrote this one uh over under 800 rushing yards for david montgomery to end the season and i believe you said he's at what like 736 i think that i think that is the most up-to-date number yes okay all right so over under 800 rushing yards i'm gonna go over i think uh the offensive line is a disaster right now, at least from a pass protection standpoint, but they can still run the ball. Um, and so I think they're going to, if, if, if they keep Justin Fields in for the whole game or most of it, they're, they're going to lean on the run as much as possible. Uh, I think he gets, what was it? What was my math? 70 something yards he needs. Yeah. I think he can do that. I'm going to say under, I think a couple of things are going to happen. One, uh, Herbert's going to continue to eat into his carries. Once again, today he started to look a little bit more um, quick, vibrant, fast, um, a little bit better behind his pads. I'm talking about Herbert. And I just feel like, uh, I don't know. Again, I give Monty a lot of credit, but he's dancing quite a bit. I guess the only thing that would, would work in Monty's favor is that uh, Minnesota, uh, their defense is, well, what is it? It's putrid. Mm-hmm. It's not that tonight, but I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go under. He's going to be under 800 yards. Yeah, I'm going to go under two, sadly. He's totaled 62 yards in his last full game against Buffalo, 53 against Philly, 61 against Green Bay. He did hit 79 against the Jets, but that was without Justin Fields, and that was without Khalil Herbert, too. So I, I just don't see, with all of those factors kind of being out there, he's probably going to have like another like 50-yard game. And that's sad to see, because I really want David Montgomery to do well. But yeah, I just don't see it happening, unfortunately. 
This next one comes from our guy, Scott Swartz. So thank you so much, Scott, for participating and hope you're having a great new year. Scott wants to know over under 2.5 catches for Chase Claypool next week. Under. I, I'm He may not even get 2.5 targets. Uh, <laughs> like I, I, I'm sorry. Like I hate to be a downer, but like just again, watching, watching this game today, watching the way they were calling plays and the, uh, the, the, injuries to the offensive line. I just don't know what they're going to be able to do next week. And so I'm not confident anybody's going to get two and a half catches or more next week. So I'm going to go under. I'll also go under the difficulty of entering into a new offense at this point of the season. We've addressed that before. Shells, you're right. I mean, they just, I'm not, I'm just going to reserve judgment until they get any type of a proper offense with a proper offensive line and some legit wide receivers. And it's just, it's not proficient enough or, you know, prolific enough. There's not enough rhythm to suggest that Claypool would, uh, would have that number. So I'm going to go under. You guys are downers. I'm going over. And for one reason only the squeaky wheel gets the oil. (laughs) Chase Claypool blew up on the sidelines. Fields had to talk with him. And he even said after the, after the game, which I think Fields handled great. He said, hey, we can't do that. I understand you're frustrated. Awesome. Chase is a great player, all that. Like, feel, go read Fields' response or listen great. to it. it. It was really good and great mm-hmm. leadership. But I think that's now in his head now, and he's going to give Chase Claypool as many opportunities to end the year on a high note because this year has not been well, had not gone well for him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him have like three to four catches and Maybe it only goes for like 40 yards, but I think he's he's gonna get uh gonna get his fair share of targets. All right, our next one is Jax again. He's asking over under seven touchdowns for Cole Komet this year. He has six now. So does he get that seventh or maybe even more next week against the Vikings? Hmm. So over seven. So we need to get two touchdowns. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go under. I don't think he gets I don't think he gets two touchdowns next week. So then can I go push and he'll get one? I think he could get one. Yeah. If you want to set it six and a half. Six and a half. Yeah. Changes. I would take. Yeah. Six and a half. I would take the, I would take the over and I would say like, I'll give Getsy credit. That was a great play design today with the the touchdown to commit. Um, That's how they should use him. Right. Like they should not use him the way they should not use him in a way where they expect him to make contested catches or to use his speed to get open. They should scheme him open and and get to do a great job of that today. And so awesome. Um, I was really happy to see that. And so if you want to set it at six and a half, I could see them. I could see him getting a touchdown next week, but I don't I don't think he's getting two. That's six and a half. I would also go over. That's a better way to frame it, too. I think, you know, he's got chemistry with fields, mm-hmm. you know, fields looks for him and he's and he's schemed to be open, as you just mentioned. I would go over six and a half touchdowns. And by the way, pretty darn good year for Komet, if that's the case. I think it's a good year regardless, but I will go under. I just think kind of talking about what happened with Claypool, I really think there's going to be an emphasis to try to get the receivers more plays and more targets because you got nothing else to lose. You might as well just see what some of these young guys have, particularly Claypool. Komet's going to get some targets. I just don't know if it'll be another touchdown. All right, we have another one from our guy, Scott. And I modified this one a little bit because he, I thought he said it too low. So I probably should have done that with yours, Jack, but we we figured it out halfway through. Over under 1.5 sacks for the Bears next week. And getting sacks, I mean, for the defense. 
was that was that um clarification for me after last week's episode it Are wasn't you... i just realized i was talking about office man <laughs> i was doing don't the you math. try I'm to like, derail this train i learned so yeah. much last week i really did about my own anatomy I'm really oh, thankful God. for that. No, I'm gonna go. I would. I'm gonna go under. Um, I would go under a half a sack. I don't even. This their pass rush was is non-existent. It's it's not even. It does not exist. Jared Goff was like, I don't even know, man. He was like back there with enough time to make a sandwich and call home and just kind of like maybe you know plan his 2023 out for the next six months i mean all the time in the world they didn't even come close to touching him which is bonkers when you think about some of the games that we've played against jared goff in the past how much we've uh disrupted him by getting getting pressure to him um he was unfettered today and so i'm gonna go under i'm gonna go over and and just to um, parlay your point, Shells. Goff, 21 of 29 for 255 yards, three touchdowns, and a 133.3. Yeah. How many hurries? Like, do we know how many? Forget, I mean, once, forget yeah, sacks, right? Sacked how many once, pressures or hurries? He did get was, sacked twice. Okay. But then there was no, I don't think there was any pass deflections or hurries, I don't think, or quarterback hits. There were a couple hits. I know uh, Travis Gibson had at least one. Woohoo. Yay. <laughs> go, go the bar is low go, guys so us yeah uh for the fun of it i will go uh three 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 quarterback hits oh okay crap i take it back and apologize um <laughs> i'm gonna go over for the for you know what's and giggles brisker's gonna get another one to up his lead he's a great defensive end i really enjoy him with his Oh, I keep forgetting he's a safety. And then uh, and then someone else is going to get another one. So I'm going to go over. I'll go over too. Why not? Armand Watts' revenge and showing that the Bears did not make a mistake by releasing Kyrus Tonga. And then, sure, Travis Gibson does it again to show that he's salvageable this year, I guess. Why not? I don't know, man. Kirk Cousins had a terrible, terrible game. They zero the blitz on every play. Maybe they'll get to field. <laughs> Maybe they will. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Williams has no conscience at this point. Right. Who knows? <laughs> All right. A couple more just for the offseason. Over under 2.5 new starters for the offensive line in 2023. I'm going to say over, and I alluded to it earlier. Uh, so I think center, definitely you have to replace. I think right tackle, you have to replace. I, I'm not confident in either of those two positions going into next year. And then you've got, in my opinion, two other big question marks. Um, Jones has played well, but I'm not 100% sold on him being the guy. So I can't say definitively that Ryan Poles is. And then Tevin Jenkins only because of the health concerns. Uh, Again, I thought that position was locked down a few weeks ago and we didn't have to worry about it in 2023. But, you know, with the back injury, now the neck injury, he's missed some time, like, he was kind of injury prone uh, or there was injury concerns coming out of college. So is that a bugaboo of his that we now have to worry about? And so while from a performance standpoint, I wouldn't replace Tevin Jenkins. You just, can you count on him um, to play week in and week out? And so that, so you've got, in my opinion, two, you have to upgrade and then two big question marks. And so I'll, that, that tips the scale for me into the over. Was this yours, Brendan? 
I think so. Yeah. It's very good. Thank so you. Over there'll be over two and a half new offensive linemen. Yes, that's the that's the question. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think right now, Chelsea, you did a good job of delineating it. You've got what, one point five coming back. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I don't yeah. even know. Like, I think you got one point five coming back. So there's, so that leaves it so that you're going to need need to find new people. I don't, I, mean, I don't see Mustafer around anymore. I don't see. I mean, you might still want to try to find a place for for Borum potentially. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, hey. for sure. Maybe we take JT O'Sullivan's advice and move Komet to tackle. He did not say that. <laughs> he calls him. He calls him the tackle, though, right? Doesn't he call him like uh, every time he makes a catch? He's like, "Great catch!" By oh yeah, eligible. <laughs> and we'll go ahead and who would I see today? We'll go ahead and uh, draft a quarterback and put Fields at running back too. We'll go ahead and do that. Oh too. god. Yeah, hey, Col- Cole Komet can play quarterback. He took that there snap under center like a pro. He did like a pro. You're just. Chachis. Stay off. Of, <laughs> we gotta stay off of Twitter for a few days. <laughs> I might. I think I do need to. There's there's your uh, New Year's resolution, boys. Yes. You know, I I was kind of thinking about this. So when I wrote this, I'm thinking, okay, Mustafer's probably gone. Right tackle's open, and then there's a decision with Cody Whitehair. Is he back? But then Sheldon, you talking about Tevin Jenkins' health? That's that's an interesting wrinkle to all of this. I do think Braxton Jones is still back as the week one starter, no matter what, but maybe his leash is just much shorter depending on what happens in free agency. I think they're going to give him as many opportunities to win that job. So I, you know what? I think I'm going to, this is going to piss people off. I'm going to go under and I'm going to say that Cody Whitehair sticks around for another year because of the fact, maybe they don't find the guy that they need. And they just are okay with eating that. I think it's like 14 or $12 million cap hit. And then you have Tevin Jenkins. I'm maybe this is hopeful thinking, but I hopefully his health is okay where he's still the right starting right guard. And then of course, Braxton Jones. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it's just the, the center and the right tackle that are going to be changing out. And I don't know how much of an improvement that is, but it's what I think. Guys, I'm seriously concerned they may not swap out Mustafer too. Like there have been some people alluding to the fact that the Bears may be higher on Sam Mustafer than fans are, which would really like kind of cause me to rethink my opinion of the staff if they value Sam Mustafer. Uh, but that could be a scary proposition too. All right, last one. Over under 1.5 contract extensions for the 2020 draft class this offseason. Wow. Oh, so so sorry. I, I for which draft class? For the 2020. So that is Jalen Johnson, Cole Komet, okay. Darnell Mooney, Travis Gibson. Yeah. That is a great question. I thought we were just talking any contract extension. So sorry, I kind of started no, thinking okay. down that path and then. I didn't hear the rest of the question. Um, wow, that's a great. Whose question is that? That's mine. That's a great <laughs> question. That's really tough. More than one and a half. I think you have to, you have to re-sign Jalen Johnson. So I think that's an absolute. My gosh, before the injury, I would have said absolutely. Mooney would have been a no-brainer for me. And now I think he maybe gets re-signed, but I think based on some of Flus's comments and, and the praise he's been heaping on Komet, I think Komet's the guy. I'm not 100% sure Mooney gets the extension at this point um, because of the injury. So I'm going to say over, 
but it's going to be two guys that I, I, well, at least one guy that I didn't expect to be the one to get extended. I thought it would be Johnson and, and Mooney at the beginning of the year, but I think it's going to be Johnson and Komet. So you said Johnson, Komet, uh, Mooney. Was there anybody else in there? Uh, Travis Gibson. I'm thinking of the notable guys. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I would like to kind of see how the, I mean, if I were going to do this again, I'd go back and check, take a look at the numbers and kind of like contractual situations and what, like it'd be interesting to see what Jalen Johnson's going to get on the open market and what, what he ended up signing, you know, um, for with the Bears. But I do think I agree with Shells because once again, it's a, a bird in the hand is worth two in the, in the trees. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I think, you know, you may not be like, well, Jalen Johnson to me is a for sure. You lock up a corner that is of that caliber, in my opinion. You don't let a guy like that walk. Uh, well, whereas Komet is not as solid, I might like necessarily as feeling 100% enthused by him. Because I, I do think perhaps, to, to me, again, I talked about it last week, you need your elite quarterback, your elite number one receiver, and your elite pass catching tight end to go along with a great offensive line, of course. I would like to see the Bears still find that elite pass catching tight end. And Komet is not it, but he has proven himself to be worthy of a contract extension, in my opinion. So over. I will also go over, but I'm disagreeing with you guys on the players. I think it is Jalen Johnson, but I do think Darnell Mooney gets done because of what mm. he was bringing to the passing offense before the injury. I don't think it's one of those things they're like totally, totally concerned about. And the off season is long. So maybe this doesn't get done in like March or something, but over the summer, perhaps things start to get, you know, things start to move a little bit. Maybe he gets done in camp, but I just don't know if Cole Komet actually, I, I think there's a lot of variables. The tight end market in free agency is going to be yeah. pretty lucrative. Dalton Schultz is somebody who could be available. We'll see about, you know, Mike Gesicki. I don't know. I think because he does the, I know, yeah, I know Mike Gesicki not the best, but I'm just saying there's options for tight ends, both, in free agency and then possibly the draft. And I'm not sure if they're sure how exactly they view Cole Komet going forward. Like, is he somebody that could be a good passing pass catching tight end that you want to lock up? Or is he kind of a good stopgap at this point while this new regime retools the offense and finds somebody better. Now they didn't do it this last off season because they just brought in a couple backups, but maybe after seeing him now, things are a little bit different. So I still, obviously I think he's still on the team next year. They're not going to cut him by any means, but it's just one of those, Hey, we're not going to commit to you yet because we're still trying to feel out how you fit in this offense. Can I ask you guys real quick? Cause I'm glad you brought that name up. I think they're, they're similar players. I don't, I know a lot of folks think Dalton Schultz is the, the um, compliment to uh, Cole Komet. I think they're kind of similar players in terms of position, so would you rather have, assuming market, fair market deals, Komet or Schultz? Like just in a vacuum or just uh, like signing Schultz to a big deal while still having No, Komet like, like fair, his... b- both deals are fair market value for okay. those players. We're not talking like overpays. We're just talking okay. like reasonable fair market value. Would you oh, rather God, have Schultz tough. or Komet? That's tough because I feel like Schultz part of his his value is just being with an in an offense that has other pass catchers where he maybe is like forgotten about and he's playing with a much better quarterback and a great offensive line too with the Cowboys. Kamat has done pretty well with not much around him. And the, oh, pass it's tough. Blocking, the pass blocking has gotten from all accounts exponentially better in the course of the last two seasons for Kamat. Yeah. And I'm not sure where Schultz is on that. 
That's kind of where I'm at. I think Komet's yeah. the better blocker, but I think Schultz is a much better pass catcher. And I'd be interested to see how they could scheme Schultz open a little bit more with his pass catching abilities. It's a, it's an interesting one. I don't know. It, it, the numbers would be a big factor for me, but I like Schultz. So I'm, I'm just, I was curious. I want to throw that out there and see. No, that's, that's a great question. It, it'll be a lot of fun to talk about that. You know, when free agency starts ramping up, yeah. but all right, it is time for Jack's question. The first question of 2023. Ooh. So I want to hear what you got, man. All right, the inaugural question. So I, if we got to this question, I was going to go to a plan B, but I would like to stick with football because I'm curious, uh, how did the bowl games uh, alter your opinion of the Bears' offseason, of the draft, of of some of the players that are being most talked about? What what were your biggest biggest takeaways as it relates to the draft and to the Chicago Bears? Shells, Brendan... And then me. It solidified my belief that they have to trade down, assuming they get a top two pick, right? Because I I don't know. I, I like Will Anderson. I think Jalen Carter's a great player, but to me, I don't think either of them is um the one you hang your hat on as the difference maker in this class with all the needs that the Bears have. I just think they have too many holes they have to plug over the next couple of years, assuming Fields is their guy, and I think he is, and they want to maximize his rookie deal. I don't think you plug enough holes by by uh, drafting uh, Will Anderson or, or Jalen Carter. And I think those the two quarterbacks who I see as one and two in this draft, despite the the hype machine of Will Levis or Levis, uh, they performed so well this weekend that it boded well for or bodes well for the Bears and being able to trade down. And so I think it, it just this weekend solidified in my mind, the belief that the bears have to find a way to trade down and stay in that sweet spot where they can get an offensive tackle or an impact defensive lineman, and maybe add a wide receiver late in the first round, if they can with that, with that additional pick. And I think that would serve them much better than taking, you know, one of the two uh, defensive studs in this draft. I've had similar feelings seeing Bryce. Young. Well, so first off, well, yeah, I guess we're talking about all bowl games, not just the college football playoff, right? True. True. Okay, good. So yeah, with Alabama just demolishing Kansas state, seeing Bryce young, just go off and have a performance like that to go out on was everything that bears fans wanted to see because it, it basically left no doubt that he is the top quarterback prospect in this draft and so then having C.J. Stroud do something similar and essentially lead Ohio State almost to a win. I mean, you can argue the kicker messed it up. And the things that C.J. Stroud struggled in, which was determining when to run versus when to pass, he actually ran when he needed to, picking up chunk yards to get the Buckeyes into position to potentially win the game. That was huge. I, I think that shows like, hey, his decision-making – can be better and it you know has improved especially on the biggest stage that he's had so far of his career so uh, yeah both of those guys seeing them go off it, it really just had the same reinforcement for me that you're going to get a much better haul for one of those picks from a team like the Colts or potentially the Seahawks if they continue to remain at third or fourth uh, with the Denver Broncos pick so there's a lot of different possibilities and then the other thought I had was Man, watching Quentin Johnson is so much fun. That dude, it, it 
I know this is going to be a weird comparison or just sound weird, but he reminds me of Christian Watson if he were fully developed because of the fact that he's just such a, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Christian Watson is such a more raw prospect versus Quentin Johnson. I think he's more refined and just his big body, his speed, just running past guys on Michigan's defense, which is a very good defense, by the way. I mean, a man among boys, having him on a bears offense would be incredible. So maybe potentially trading back, getting an offensive lineman early in the first round. I don't know how long somebody like Johnson's going to last, but I would love to see him on the bears. And I know there's a ton of needs. You can't get everything, but yeah, seeing him play was, was really good. And then what was it? Uh, Winters, I think on TCU, the DB. Mm, Yeah. That guy, that guy made JJ McCarthy his bitch. That was so that, that was bad, (laughs) but just some really great impact players. It's, It's fun to see college football's best like on the biggest stage and see guys really ball out definitely with both of you on the on the uh, the trade back it's it's it made it even better for the bears to try to imagine these incredibly thirsty teams looking for their quarterback answer in this draft coming to ryan poles and and asking him what it is that he would like and <laughs> hopefully offering him the world i admittedly do not watch nearly as much college football as i used to it was fascinating to me to match up the hype with Jalen Carter and his play. And I've not watched him all year long, but I just, I kind of decided just to focus in on him and deep dive. I was surprised by his low sack numbers throughout the course of the season, by his low tackle numbers. I was really surprised just generally by his play yesterday. I just saw him getting way too deep into the backfield on run plays, just taking himself out of run plays where he was an easy block. He got pancaked probably six to eight times. Uh, he took a lot of plays off. Uh, I also discovered that he's got a bit of, a, of injury history. Now, I've, But everything you read says that he is beast, that he can dictate the run, that he's got this unique pass rushing ability. Bottom line is, it kind of confirmed for me what I've felt all along is, if you're sure about that pick, then you take that guy. If you're sure that that guy has like char- no character issues, no injury issues, and that he will be an insta plug-in starter, go for it, Bears. But if you have any doubts, like I gotta have darts, then I, who am I? But I have doubts about Carter now that I didn't have previously. Trade down. Let's trade down. Accumulate picks. It's a good thing we, you know, the draft is. <laughs> I, well, I wish the draft was in two weeks because draft talk is just gonna overtake oh, Twitter and. I, I I'll save yeah. that conversation for another time because you guys know how I feel about just the yes. constant draft machine that it is. But well, it I is time. Tom- Harrison Jr. was eligible because holy crap! Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's so good. Yeah. Hopefully he's okay. That was a yes. that was a rough That's hit. Big hit. Man. All right, guys. It is time to get to shoutouts. Our first shoutouts of 2023. So let's go shells, Jack, and I'll wrap us up and we'll get out of here. Thanks, Brendan. Uh, I am going to give a shout out to Uncle Logan, uh, our co-host, Logan Bradley. Uh, Congratulations to you and your family. I don't want to spoil all the news, but um, he became an uncle again. So congratulations to you. That's fantastic news. I also want to give a shout out quickly to uh, those who have been watching uh, live with us along on YouTube. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world to us. We love the interactions. We love seeing the questions that you guys have during the show. Um, and we thank you so much for your support. 
Uh, it really, really, really means the world to us. So thank you for that. Uh, shout out to Brendan Chagru for running this episode flawlessly. Uh, I'm sure Ryan Dangle is is back on a beach wondering where he went wrong in his opinion on Valus Jones or uh, re reevaluating his belief that the, the Vikings are not frauds after this week. I'm sure he's thinking through all those things, but uh, we hope he's having a nice relaxing vacation. Uh, but I would be remiss if I didn't say what a great job you did tonight running the show. Brendan was phenomenal. So thank you for stepping in. Um, this was great. I had a blast. And then my last shout out, uh, tying it back into the bowl games goes to CJ Stroud. Uh, just kind of random. Like I, I tweeted, somebody tweeted the comment by, um, urban Meyer that he sees the field better than fields. And I was just using that as a jumping off point to say like, Hey, like I think Stroud's good and he's getting a lot of crap and, and I, I may be in the minority, but I like him. Uh, and that may be an unpopular opinion. And people were like a visceral about it. Like thinking that I was suggesting that the bears draft him or trade fields. And I'm like, Oh my God, guys, like relax. I just, uh, I feel like Stroud's gotten a lot of grief and I, I really do like him. I think he's going to be a good quarterback and so I was really happy to see him perform well this weekend. Um, he just did great. Like he had, what was he, uh, 23-34 for 348 yards and four touchdowns. And he was just, he, he put the team on his back. It was great to see. So good for him. Congratulations. Uh, and it certainly didn't hurt that it it helped the Bears um, <laughs> in, the, in the upcoming draft. So those are my shout outs. And, uh, you know, excited to see what 2023 brings for the Bear Down Chicago podcast, guys. Same. I'm thinking probably of all the regrets you mentioned. Ryan's probably regretting most the choice of of neon speedo, especially like the slingshot. I thought he brought the slingshot. Yeah, he's a big banana hammock guy. He's and never he skipped, gonna miss another episode. No, then he skipped the wax appointment, and so I think the combination <laughs> is probably regrettable. I'm already gonna Photoshop this. I I I, I have to now. <laughs> did he he get the the c waxed into his chest like he said he was going to (laughs) now i gotta do that (laughs) so many i'm just gonna tweet out the picture like you know bear down chicago podcast no content (laughs) i love it oh no well i just like to shout out i was back and forth a little bit today with some people who didn't enjoy my unpopular opinion uh that you know fields should continue to play but nonetheless we had discussion about it that was productive and courteous and as we always say there is these opportunities to have good clean discussions about the actual game without people getting all po'd and taking it personally so a lot of a lot of credit to bearlissimo he's at bearlissimo one and then uh kiwi bear he's at kiwi kiwi bear those two um you know we didn't agree at all but but that was okay uh, I appreciated their perspective, and then I mentioned earlier that uh, that to Brendan, I believe that that Cap uh, responded to one of my tweets. Now he basically said I was I was an idiot, but well, he said you're smarter than that, Jack. But nonetheless, um, it was kind of fun to get him into the conversation just a a little bit as well. Last shoutouts uh, go to our guys Logan and Ryan. We did a the pregame for the Lions together over at Ryan's house. Uh, he is just a gracious host. Uh, he made some just excellent wings for us. We destroyed those. We recorded a podcast, and then we did some some VR. We played some Oculus, 
you two would have been crying on the floor laughing watching me play Oculus NFL <laughs> football. I, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I love football. And I was so into it. It was so freaking fun. I was like talking trash. Those guys were just crying. They were laughing so hard watching me play Oculus. At one point, Ryan said, hey, Jack, how old are you? <laughs> and I said, 49, Ryan. I'm, I'm 49, buddy. <laughs> but I'm living out my NFL quarterback dreams, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a child. Yeah, I was sad I missed that. I, uh, you know was uh dealing with stuff with my brother out in sycamore all week so i wasn't able to make it out to you guys but yeah it looked like fun and i just the pregame podcast was so funny because i know nothing was like going on or anything but i just kept envisioning that 70s show you guys sitting around in a circle just <laughs> laughing and i think it was just because also you were like talking really softly and just like ryan's voice was yeah. right away like welcome into another edition of <laughs> i was like oh <laughs> Oh, <laughs> we're getting intimate. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, all right. My shout outs quickly go to uh, my one of my guys, uh, Kyle Tenner. Just love going back and forth with him. He's a loyal listener to the podcast and he reads my stuff. He's one of my good friends. Um, I, I know him. I feel weird saying it, but like we're like friends, like we hang out, uh, you know, quite a bit. Uh, we played football together and just so shout out to him for continuing to support us. Uh, and as well as his Bears takes, he was sharing that. He's seen a lot of family this this last few weeks and their bears takes are just abysmal. And you would think that they would have like a Twitter account with just, you know, something NFL at the end of their name, but no, they're just crazy family with bears takes. Uh, so shout out to him. Uh, shout out to Jacob Infante. Uh, just a guy who really grabbed a hold of 2023 and made it his own just uh, he's going to grow a lot this year and uh, I'm just really excited for him. It sounds like he's going to have a very explosive uh, 2023 <laughs> after, you know, the bears game. So shout out to Jacob. I hope you're doing well and you know, you're not too tired tonight. Uh, Cause you had a big day, buddy. So that's all I'll say. I love Jacob. Nature <laughs> sleeping pill. Nature, nature <laughs> sleeping. Look, if I you don't about that almost daily, I don't know what it is, but I think about that almost on the daily Patrick. <laughs> If you don't know, I'm not going to say what it is. Just even if you don't have Twitter, go to Jacob Infante's Twitter account and just look immediately after the Bears game and just see what he tweeted. And it's gone pretty viral. So you'll know what I'm talking about. Let's just say that. Uh, and then shout out to uh, one of my favorite Twitter followers, uh, Marcus D. Uh, he's a guy who sounded like Chris Collinsworth there. He's a guy who just tweets <laughs> out the most random sports videos, but he just he he gets bulls videos bears videos and lately he started clipping uh jason garrett's really awkward so weird. <laughs> introductions when he's so talking weird. with maria taylor and he's just got this creepy ass smile and i both love and hate it and that's just it just makes my day and ruins it at the same time every time i see it so uh marcus is a really fun follow uh, you know, definitely enjoying uh, interacting with him. So make sure you follow him. Uh, guys, thank you so much for ringing in your new year with us, even though it was just a terrible, terrible game. We had a fun time talking about it. We hoped you had a great time listening to it. So please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. 
like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, leave a review. That could be a New Year's resolution. I'm going to review more podcasts and make sure I do them positively as well. Uh, It goes a long way. And hopefully that 2023 is a great year for us as we continue to grow and we can only grow because of you. So thank you. Uh, So for Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Jack Wright, I am Brendan Chigrew. Thank you again for listening. And as always, bear down, Chicago. Chicago.